Hello, I'm Martijn Graat and this is Does Logistics Matter? A podcast on trends and innovations in supply chain and logistics. Answering yes to the question today is Sam Grinolz, Vice President Sales in Europe at Zen Cargo. On this episode, we talk about how in today's world data can be a competitive edge, how digital solutions increase supply chain agility, and Sam talks about the three pillars of digital freight, visibility, understanding, and execution. Please enjoy my conversation with Sam Grinolz. Sam, welcome to the show. Okay, thanks for having me on. Yeah. So, um, as you know, my podcast always starts with uh, the same question, uh, which I'm going to ask you as well. And that question is, does logistics matter? I think my favorite story of the way to describe that question is thinking of logistics as like a vital organ. We all know it's there, but we don't really pay too much attention when things are working. And it's when things go wrong is when you start to realize how important it is and how life-threatening if you took it as the organ analogy. So I think what, what we've seen through all this disruption is that it's been a catalyst for our industry to be at the forefront and in the news. And I think if I use that story, my answer is yes, logistics matters. Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, supply chain and logistics got the got got the, got to the front page of I think it was Time magazine that did a whole cover with a container ship on it. I mean, it's, it it just takes one captain and a and a serious mistake blocking a rather important canal uh, to uh, to do that uh, for us. Yeah, yeah. See, I think it, I think I think it was the New Yorker uh, magazine. Oh yeah, was on the front. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. It was the New Yorker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, it's a great cover. Um, so, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's good that there's more attention for, uh, for, for our field of work. Um, how, how did you end up in logistics, Sam? So I'm going to say that it's in my uh, DNA because my uh, grandparents owned a haulage trucking business in the 70s. They had about 35 trucks in their fleet. And nice. my dad then grew up um, around trucks, in trucks, and is a HGG, HGV driver now. Um, so I left school at 16, went straight into a logistics company where I worked across multiple different roles for about eight years. And then I joined Zen Cargo for the last four. So uh, 27, 11 years in logistics, but it's kind of in an intentional route, I'd say. A lot of people say they fall into logistics where I kind of saw it out. Yeah, yeah, you grew into it. Yeah. So, so do you have your, your uh, HGV, your trucking license? Do you have it? I don't. And interestingly, the one piece of advice my dad gave me from being a HGV driver was get into logistics, but not into the trucking. And uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd imagine that's still true, but we do need to change the way that the HGV industry is perceived. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I think um, uh, a large part of the of the current shortage is the, the image that people have of what it what it means to be a truck driver uh, and, and how the general population just views them. Um, I mean, the, the world will come to a standstill if, if not for these um, men and women that, uh, you know, that bring bring products everywhere. Um, so uh, but but you have uh, driven a truck. Yeah, yeah, driven, driven a truck. Um, I mean, in a safe, in safe surroundings. Yes, definitely. There's, uh, I don't think the DVA are listening, but yeah, in safe surroundings. <laughs> the, um, uh, I kind of, 
a lot of my childhood was spent um, in the truck, traveling around. I think insurances have changed now and you can't just take uh, passengers yeah. as, as freely as you used to. But yeah, it was always a good experience. And my um, grandparents, the one who owned the logistics business in the 70s, they also was involved in uh, the long haul. So driving from the UK into uh, the Middle East. Uh, doing oh, that's really long. Like that. Yeah. So there's, it was, um, I can't remember the book that he's referenced in. There's a book around the, uh, the journeys that they went on. And it's quite, it's, a, it's an interesting read. So if I find, if I find the book, I'll give you, uh, I'll give you the copy so you listeners can add it in. Oh yeah, nice, nice, nice. Very cool. Yeah. So I also don't have my trucking license, and I'm a warehousing guy. I mean, the, my the most of my experience has been in warehousing, um, uh, but I was at a at a Troton event. Uh, it was two years ago, uh, and I drove uh, two of their trucks on the on their test circuit. Their, their test. Uh, so I test test drove two of their trucks. It was really nice. It was a smaller one, um, which was electrical, uh, which was interesting. Um, but the other one was, uh, and I keep forgetting the name of the brand, but it was one of those huge American, uh, trucks, you know, the classic trucks with like the two tailpipes and the big nose and just the biggest trailer I ever saw behind it. And I, and I just, you know, got in the truck and the instructor said, you know, yeah, just, uh, you know, yeah, you know, you know how to, uh, drive, uh, an automatic. And I said, sure. I said, we'll just put it in drive and go. And uh, and there I went. It was crazy going like 70, 80 kilometers an hour in such a huge machine. It was uh, it was really really cool. Yeah, there. Um, I I think the trucks now is like sitting in your in your living room with the uh, the way that they kit them out. Oh yeah, yeah, really nice. Um, so so uh, but so so you chose a completely different path. Maybe you should tell the listeners uh, what field of logistics you're in now. Yeah. So. As I mentioned, I, as I come out of school, 16, went into the kind of traditional free PL world of trucks and warehouses and managing freight forwarding and logistics for, for customers. And I, four years ago, made a decision to join Zen Cargo, and it's a, which is a digital freight forwarder. And if I can put some color around what we're doing from a digital freight forwarding or supply chain perspective, it's about, yeah. it's about really before and when I say before, I think in the past, freight has traditionally been seen as a cost center. It was quite disconnected from consumers. Yeah. It was relatively predictable in price and lead time. And inefficiency didn't matter so much as it was cheap. Um, mm. I think now what we've seen is that freight has become more of an urgent priority. Uh, there's different consumer demands. The market is volatile and the inefficiencies are really hurting businesses. So for me, yeah. in digital freight forwarding, it's about seeing freight as a competitive edge for businesses. It's mm -hmm. about consumer demand directly informing freight decisions. It's about managing disruptions in the market if they come through um, technology, understanding the impacts. I'm not going to be able to make a boat go any quicker or on a different route. But what we can do is provide insights as to where your stock is, the delays that are impacted, what are the macro things that are happening that could uh, impact businesses. So for us, it's about how do we combine a digital in, digital experience on top of a quite traditional industry to um, drive value for customers. 
Yeah, I, I think if you look at logistics company historically, they've always been competing on on uh, just you know getting getting the goods there on time. You know, being on time and and being fast. Uh, but nowadays, I mean, obviously, still uh, stuff needs to be there on time. Uh, but now the competition is much more about uh, data. That, yeah, it's, definitely. It's, I, I I always like to break it into three kind of pillars when I talk about digital freight. Yeah. And there's the visibility aspect, which is you have to be able to know where things are in real time at a very mm -hmm. granular level. There's software providers that can provide visibility tools. Um, but then the second pillar is understanding. And when I say understanding, it's about it's okay being able to see something. It's, you can see the boat is here. But if you can't make any decisions or you can't mitigate any risks, then that visibility really comes quite redundant, right? So yeah. for me, the second pillar is making sure that you have the visibility and then the understanding as to what you could do differently. And then mm -hmm. the third is execution. And I think this is the real key pillar when it comes to digital freight because we combine both one visibility to the understanding but we're able to execute because we are physically managing the customs and the, the bookings with the shipping lines and what happens at your factories. And so I think the, the idea for me is it's about creating those three pillars in digital freight forwarding, which is visibility, understanding, and then being able to execute on any of those opportunities that surface up to you through the data. Yeah. So, and, and then the execution is, Mm, yeah, I wanted to say old school, but but I guess it's not old school because it is supported by all this data and by by all sorts of new means of communicating with um, uh, with the, the the parties that carry the freight. That that's what we've we've seen, right? You could you could uh, you could go and buy a or go onto multiple different carrier websites and put in a container number or put in a truck number and find where it is. That's one sense of it, but that's yeah. quite reactive and it's not intuitive, right? So no. it's it, when we talk about the execution, it's about actually the combination of those three pillars in unison. It's, a, it, it's not just different state. It's the collaboration between different stakeholders. It's the ability to make decisions in real time. And then once those decisions are made, it's about executing. If you have lots of fragmented, you have a, a system for tracking, then a system for data, then a system for, or a different system from a freight provider, all of a yeah. sudden it's too late. Things have happened. It's gone. The decisions have gone. And you end up being in, in retrospect a lot of the time, looking at kind of what ifs rather than what we've done kind of thing. That's what I, I've seen a lot of. Uh, yeah, so so what you do when you enable this real-time, uh, you use real-time data and visibility is uh, you don't have to spend a lot of time gathering data, but you can spend your time actually thinking about the choice you need to make. So, uh, 100%. And, and that filters through a lot of the noise because 90% of the time, I'd love to be saying 90% of the time through this current disruption, but 90% of the time, you only need to, you don't need to focus on that. It's it's the ten percent or the five percent of stuff that needs a decision to be made is where you want to where mm -hmm. you want to focus your time. So, being able to to systemize that is is the powerful aspect. Uh, Sam, what I uh, uh, and I was talking a, a few minutes ago about uh, old school, and and that's uh, what I wanted to say was um, you guys actually manage the freight, uh, and managing the freight is like that's old school in the sense that that's what a forwarder does. 
uh, but you've built a digital layer around it, uh, and that digital digital layer uh, enables you and your customers to uh, to use real time data and visibility to make uh, faster decisions. Right. That, that, that's it. That's it. And that's the that's the core piece, really. It's the ability to execute on the decisions that are being highlighted is very hard to do if you don't own uh, both sides of the. If you don't own the the technology or have the technology connected to those stakeholders, it's really hard to execute on in real time. So that it's combined in the traditional with the digital in unison and getting the best out of uh, both worlds in order to to deliver the value. So for for us, it's we want to be connected in that full journey and being connected in that full journey, owning the data, the decision making, and then the execution makes it makes it the, an easier opportunity to realize that ROI. Yeah, so it's it's uh, so I guess it's less um, less phones that are are ringing uh, at the Zen Cargo office, uh, but you communicate and collaborate with all the stakeholders involved in the in the in the supply chain process that you manage in in different ways. Yeah, that's it. And let, if I can give a real world example to put it into context, yeah, so please. If think about. I believe it was March last year when the uh, Ever Given got stuck in the Suez Canal. Yeah. And for for most businesses, until they see the news, they didn't realize if their stock was on that vessel, if it was going to, what the impact of that was going to be. And mm-hmm. was there any potential way to mitigate the stock not arriving by making a decision somewhere else in their supply chain? So yeah. If, if you can visualize it that you're walking down the street and you really don't know what's going on and all this stuff is happening in the background behind you and it's not until you get home in the evening and turn on the news that you realize that there's this big event so for us it's we're connected to the manufacturers we're connected to the shipping lines connecting to the all of the different people in that ecosystem and we're mm-hmm. using the real-time data to flag up any risks any opportunities so Boats just got stuck in the Suez Canal. We're notified that actually all of your products that are on this vessel are now at risk of being late and delayed. But by the way, in China, you've got a a purchase order that's ready to ship. Um, You could mitigate the delay of that vessel by shipping that by air to meet demand, for example. Um, And if you're able to make those decisions quickly and in real time, you can really turn what I call like freight as a competitive advantage, right? If one yeah. retailer, if one retailer doesn't have that insight and the other does, and they're able to get stock there in advance so they don't miss out on sales, that's where the digital freight aspect can become a, a competitive pillar. Yeah. Okay. So you're uh, you have a much stronger role in uh, advising uh, your customer uh, what to do. So you offer them, uh, you offer them database, uh, 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 data-based options. Yeah, that's exactly it. Great. Um, so, uh, are there are there other advantages to digital freight forwarding? I, I think the for me the area that I always like to discuss is if you can capture great granular data at a, maybe a SKU level in your supply chain. Yeah, and it really, it, it really depends on your business strategy as to the ROI that you can get out of your supply chain. So, or yeah. of your digital freight forwarder. So, if you're 
the outcome shouldn't be the same for two businesses. And you could have, I don't know, I'm going to use fashion. You've got a fashion mm-hmm. retailer. And one of those fashion retailers could be fast growth, new market entry. They absolute focus on customer promise. What they want from a digital supply chain is to be able to never stock out or um, always yeah. make sure that the stock is going to be arriving in the given week they need to sell it in, whatever the, that outcome is. But it could be about mm-hmm. service and revenue growth. But you could have another retailer that sells white T-shirts, their core products, and they need a container that is full to the brim and it ships on a cheaper sailing schedule and they hold an yeah. amount of stock. You can get both of those outcomes. You can get cost savings through data and you can get top line revenue growth and better service through data. So it's about making sure that you're leveraging that and your supply chain partner or your digital freight forwarder to, uh, to drive the outcomes that matter. I've, I've seen all too many times and even in my own, uh, uh, at my own peril really, but lots of freight providers try to optimize for boats and trucks and how much yeah. capacity they have on this vessel or that vessel. And the reality is, is our customers don't care about trucks and boats. They care about their product. Um, and it's about how do we enable them to get their product to market in the most effective way for them. And then those outcomes yeah. could be very different as sustainability is an interesting aspect on that as well. Like, um, by capturing granular data of supply chain, how can we enable businesses to have more sustainable supply chain is that port rationalization is that looking at the data and suggesting that if they hold stock for an extra week they can get a better load fill to reduce the amount of containers that they ship each year it's all like smart decisions that come in little pockets but at scale can make a really big impact of of, on on a business's performance and are you seeing uh, an increase in uh, interest in uh, sustainable options? So companies uh, uh, asking for uh, for ways to improve their the sustainability of their supply chains, or, or is it something that you, um, uh, as Zen Cargo, uh, proactively offer customers because you you believe in sustainability yourselves? I mean, what's the? Yeah, I think. The, what do you see? For- for us and for our vision, it's definitely clear that we want to be an enabler of a more sustainable supply chain. Now, when we talk about supply chain, supply chain's broad. And what do we control is the the booking and the management of the, the freight aspect. There's lots of yeah. things that make a bigger impact, like the way that a product's manufactured, the life cycle of a product, the way that yeah. and th- those things aren't an area that we would touch on. But no, certainly, no. From a, certainly from a... a how do we combine data of the physical things that happen to move freight, whether that truck, road, boat, plane, how do we combine that data to one measure, a supply, a customer's impact. So where they're shipping from, what boats, planes, and routes they're taking, what is their impact? What is their, what do they admit in terms of CO2? This, the, the second bit that we look at is how do you optimize that? So better mm-hmm. load fills, port rationalization, Maybe using a barge terminal rather than trucking when you come into into Europe. Like it's looking at those different options and looking at how you optimize it. And then we just encourage our customers and, and suggest kind of offsetting ways that they can uh, offset that emissions that they they emit through their supply chain. So for us, it's definitely creating a a world with smarter trade and smarter trade includes being more sustainable. Um, and yes, we we want to influence and and provide options to customers to to do that. 
No, that's good. That's good. It's, <clears throat> I mean, uh, yeah, logistics is, is uh, yeah, it's a large part of 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 the of the of the carbon footprint. So uh, it's 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 good for any company uh, to do things to improve uh, the to improve their carbon footprint. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, we have to wait, right? I mean, but it's around the corner that that uh, that, for example, ships. Uh, will will move in a uh, yeah much cleaner way. I'm I, I don't know what it will be if it will be hydrogen or anything else, but at least you know uh, we're seeing some initiatives that uh, that go that way. Uh, for for me, it's just if I if I break it into chunks, which is always an easier way to digest. I think yeah. is everyone has to take responsibility for their part of the the chain, and yeah. the carriers need to and they are but introduce like you said, more efficient fuels, the more efficient um, routes and the way that they, they operate to reduce carbon emissions. The port terminals need to start looking at electric equipment and other things that they can do. So if yeah. everyone in that chain and there's hundreds of pieces works towards a more sustainable uh, future and takes ownership for their own part, I think if you add up all of those things in in uh, in the boxes or have broken out and you add them all up the sum of all those parts equals quite a big change yeah i i i do feel that that um uh, that that's quite some effort should be uh, on the plates of uh the producers of the goods you know the the um the more you get uh, the closer you get to the customer so so if you so so getting close to the customer i mean the more you move towards logistics uh, the lower the margins, right? So, so, so logistics uh, is a uh, has a has a big impact on carbon footprint, but the ability for a logistics company to invest in more sustainable solutions uh, is often hampered by uh, the limited rates that they can ask. So, I think it it also the 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 uh, there has to be a willingness uh to to pay to pay a premium for uh, sustainable uh for sustainable modes of tra transportation i am um, and it could be me just being a, an optimist but i uh see the period that we've gone through as a catalyst for businesses not just looking at cheap rates we've seen freight rates around the world go up tenfold and be yeah. at the highest points that's been Devastating for some businesses. We can't take that away. But yeah, as we work towards a world where the rates become a more normal thing again, as businesses have been subsected to paying additional rates, what I hope is that they see their supply chain and their freight as less of a cost center, but more of a competitive advantage and also a mm -hmm. sustainable advantage. So I would love the companies to start telling the, the companies that are selling the goods, telling the stories to the consumers about the, the initiatives they've invested in to become more green. And that would also further help the logistics industry as to the podcast name, Does Logistics Matter? It will help the consumer of goods start appreciating the um, the, the journey and the, the backbone of how their goods got from A to B. Yeah. Yeah, I think the past uh, two years has definitely increased the 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 how, how consumers look at it. I mean, increased the... the the percept or how do I say this improved the perception that consumers have of logistics. But I think if you just ask the, the, the man or the woman in the street, 
a lot of them think that, you know, well, that stuff get delivered to them, that it's free, right? I mean, you don't, you don't pay for, for shipping. I mean, it's, it's, and, and shipping something back to a company, that's free, right? I mean, look at Amazon. They do it for free. So I think that has really, um, uh, yeah, created the wrong image about, about logistics. Because if anything, it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's definitely not free. No, it's definitely not. I, uh, so I spoke to uh, someone recently about cost to serve um, and doing yeah. cost to serve analysis. And actually one of the businesses, they were doing a, uh, a, a CO2 cost to serve. So what does it cost to produce, make, ship, deliver returns of our product and started doing the analysis? And then they actually had to ask, and it's usually the hardest question to answer, but the question was, well, what does our customer actually want? And when they mm-hmm. started doing a survey of their customer and their cost to serve, it was it was something staggering. Like thirty five percent of their their logistics cost was the uh, final mile and then the return of the the goods. And yeah. when they actually asked their customers, the the reality was their customers one wasn't that bothered about next day delivery. It wasn't something that they was desperate for. And the returns, the only reason that they was buying multiple sizes of the same thing was because it was free delivery and free returns. So yeah. the, that's a, without the customer asking, well, without the company asking their customer the questions, they, they, there's a significant cost saving just by saying, actually, I'm really sure that Joan down the road doesn't need her t-shirt delivered tomorrow morning by nine o'clock. It's, it's, we over, we over create on this customer experience without necessarily understanding the customer. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops and if businesses start looking at the opposite of next day delivery, but more options for customers demonstrating the impact of what those costs have um, and passing that back to the customer. I'd, I'd love to see a company say on their basket, by the way, if you have this at the end of the week, you save 10% on shipping. And yes. Like something simple as that, but I would as a consumer buy into that. And I think that that's a, an interesting way to think about it in the future. Yeah, definitely. We, that, that, would, that would increase awareness for consumers, well, what's actually happening and, and what the impact is of the choices that they make. And it will make them think, do I really need this tomorrow or, or is it fine if it comes next week? I mean, if it's, if it's your new phone, you're going to want it now. But as you say, if it's like white T-shirts, I mean, hey, I have white T-shirts. But I just need some new ones. Next week is fine. Yeah, so, that's it. Yeah, definitely agree there. I think a, a deeper understanding of consumers and the way that consumers have changed and being able to have the data to then offer options. So understanding the impacts of the different routes and, and being able to surface that up in a informative and light way to consumers is, is an interesting um, way of shopping in the future. I think if you look at, um, there's a couple of companies. I got some glasses delivered by a, uh, a business called Blue Bloom. I think they're a new company offering frames. When yeah. I got onto the checkout, it showed me the makeup of the cost of the goods in terms of manufacturing, distribution, marketing. Uh, it, nice. and it tells you the environmental impacts. And it was the first time in my consumer experience I uh, thought I actually looked at it and thought, one, I'm paying a fair price, and two. It's interesting to see the breakdown in it, and it, it was uh, it was quite interesting. So, I think the the world is moving that way. 
Yeah, it's an excellent example, Sam. I, I have not yet seen that. I have seen uh, more stores giving me options, uh, but I haven't yet seen one that uh, that gives you a full makeup of the uh, a full breakdown of the costs. Very interesting. Um, so these 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 changes in in how companies approach uh, this. Uh, how does uh, digital freight forwarding tie into that? Yeah, uh, great question. So I think for me, if I if I had to answer that, I'd recap on the the kind of pillars that I mentioned at the beginning, which is yeah, to I I think to be a digital freight forwarder and drive outcomes for customers is to be able to give the businesses the the visibility they need at a granular level. They need mm-hmm. to be able to surface up opportunities, risks, and that as we get more advanced in the future, that's looking at various things, macro level events that are happening, a COVID outbreak, how can that data to start influencing decisions from um, uh, machine learning and AI, that kind of thing. It's as we move into the future, the more data that we can use and leverage to inform is going to be the better. So first visibility to that understanding and really in-depth surface of opportunities and exceptions. And then the last is you've got to be able to execute on things. I think gone are the days where we sit in a boardroom and look retrospectively and say, we could have done this, we could have done that. And I think that I've seen that for nine years, sitting, having those conversations with customers, looking at opportunities of their supply chain that they could have realized. The reality is, is the reason they didn't realize them is because they knew about them in the past. So I think the third pillar is being able to execute in real time is really the, the, the future. No longer is it going to be acceptable to say we could have done this and we could have done that it's how do we execute on it in real time is going to be really important so i'd say they're the they're the three areas if they funnel back into how consumer demand is changing we talk about that connectivity i think by connecting your demand plan with your supply plan and your freight forwarding business that can all inform the smartest way to get your goods to market at the most optimal cost or price or environmentally impacts or speed, whatever the, the lever you need to pull to get your goods yeah. there. I think the consumer demand will, uh, should consumer demand should trigger the, the route to market that you take to get goods there. So that's how I would, uh, I would answer that question. Well, uh, great. I guess the next step is for 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 uh, artificial intelligence just to to say to us, oh, uh, we're looking at the data, and it looks like in about two days a ship is going to block the Suez Canal. So uh, <laughs> you might want to make some choices now. That's so, it. I, uh, think, I think the digital twin concept is really interesting. Um, if you can create a digital twin of your supply chain and run these type of scenarios, i.e., if the yeah. Suez Canal incident happened again. How could we remodel it? I think that's a yeah, really yeah, interesting just concept. A, definitely, you can do some practice runs, and 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 then you you have your real time data, and then you recognize the situation and say, hey, we practiced this, so we know what to do. Yeah, excellent example. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sam, uh, thanks for uh, very much for for coming on to the show and uh, and and sharing sharing your knowledge and your uh, and your insights uh, on uh, on on digital freight forwarding and 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 logistics in a broader sense. Brilliant, I uh, really enjoyed it, Martin. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Does Logistics Matter. For more on trends and innovations in supply chain and logistics, visit our blog on logisticsmatter.com. This podcast was produced by Dimitri Vleugel. 
The music is based on a sample by Ruggerman and produced by Michael Spengler. This episode was supported by Zencargo. Zencargo is a digital-first freight forwarder and logistics provider. The Zencargo platform allows customers to book, manage and keep track of their international freight as well as use analytics to drive intelligent supply chain decisions that help their businesses thrive. Visit zencargo.com for more information.